Welcome, welcome, welcome back to another episode of E-Squared. I'm your host, Shanezay Tiff, and E-Squared is a faith-based platform redefining the way young professionals work in excellence. With this podcast, we're creating a space where we have transparent and transformative conversations about the challenges we face in doing so. We're continuing a series called Exhaling Through Uncertainty, and I can't wait for you all to hop into the conversations that we're having today. Stay tuned. So let's get started. All right. So we have Sarah with us. Hey, Sarah, girl. Welcome to the pod. Hey, glad to be here. I'm so excited. Me too. So I'm just going to let you like introduce yourself. Um, and you can just tell us a little bit about what you do career wise and some things that you like to do um, on the side, something your passions, what you enjoy doing. All right. Awesome. So I currently work as a field service engineer for a biotech company called Illumina. And so undergrad, I studied bioengineering or biomedical engineering, kind of the same thing. And so I work on medical devices, specifically gene sequencing devices. So if you've heard of 23andMe or My Ancestry DNA or literally any gene sequencing that's done in the world, it's most likely done on my company's instruments. And so my job is to make sure that they're up and running, that they get their regular maintenance and that um, whenever there's an issue, I'm sent in to go and repair it. So that's what I do. And Oof, that's amazing. <laughs> on the side, let's see. Come on. <laughs> um, so on the side, what did I do? I play the violin. I've been playing for I think 15 years now, since fifth grade. And I also play the guitar and I sing. And I have so many other hobbies. I don't know. Like in my head, I just I don't know. So many things excite me. So you might find me doing one thing this day, another thing the other day. So many things um interest me. So yeah. All right, cool. So we we go through different seasons in life, right? And I think it's important for us to realize, like, the troubles in our life is just not necessarily just for fun. It's not that they have no purpose to it. And I love that God, um, he's not just doing these things to see. Let's, let's see how much they can take. Let's see how much they can handle. But there's always, like, a bigger purpose behind it. I think of a scripture, 2 Corinthians 1, 4, and it says he comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort others. When they are troubled, we'll be able to give them the same comfort that God has given us. Um, and so that's that's even one of the prime scriptures that brought this whole pod about. So I just want to say thank you again for joining us and being so willing to share the comfort that God is giving you through your periods of uncertainty. So again, thank you. Of course. Um, we're just going to hop right into it. Let's do it. For you, Sarah, we're going to do like a chronological structure because your life is literally a movie. <laughs> and I'm waiting on your, like I'm, I'm waiting on your book. But um, so we're going to try. We're going to break it down from like mid undergrad to the end of undergrad and postgrad. And I guess where you are now. That, that sounds good. Sounds good. Cool. So you said you're doing engineering now. I want to know, was that always what you were doing in the beginning and, and why so throughout high school I wasn't necessarily leaning towards engineering I actually didn't really know what engineering was when I heard engineering mm-hmm. I thought of like a man conducting a train that was my perception Ooh. of an engineer I had such a limited <laughs> scope I just knew that I loved math so fun fact I moved here from Denmark when I was eight 
And so I had mm-hmm. to learn English from like scratch, but math is universal. Mm-hmm. And so I just picked up math so quickly and I knew I just loved it. And I love sciences as well. But it wasn't until mm-hmm. I actually, um, it was like the summer before college where I actually realized, wait, what I actually want to do is engineering, but specifically bioengineering, which perfectly combines not only the biological and the medicine aspect, but also the engineering aspect. And so that's kind of how I got mm-hmm. there. Mm-hmm. Um, so midway through undergrad and, and this series, we're talking about uncertainty and how to exhale through uncertainty and holding on to your faith through these things. And you've had your fair share. So um, even just thinking undergrad wise, is there any time of uncertainty that you can think of um, or something that happened that you didn't quite see coming that you, you want to go ahead and start off with? For sure. Um, man, so my junior year of college, it is a Friday night. I'm studying for my, no, sorry. It's a Thursday night going into Friday and I'm studying for my midterm that's supposed to be happening Friday morning. So it's Thursday Mm -hmm. around 10 PM. I'm studying. I'm kind of falling asleep a little bit. And by like 1130, I doze off. And so Mm -hmm. as it's approaching like 12, I hear my mom and my brother come home but I'm still mm-hmm. kind of sleeping. Then a little bit after that, yeah. I'm hearing a faint beeping sound. And I don't know, like, it's not registering that something is wrong until my brother runs up the stairs and says, Sarah, there's a fire. We have to go. And so mm-hmm. I spring awake. I grab, like, my keys, my shoes, my laptop, and I run out the door. And within six minutes, my whole house is in flames. Oh, Right in the middle of midterm season. It was insane. I remember taking a picture and like emailing my teacher with all caps, like my house is on fire. I can't take the midterm. I was so out of it. I was just like, what is going on right now? And what happened after that day was my family was living out of a hotel. So I was already commuting to college, but now I was commuting from a whole different county. It was about an hour and change commute and I'm living out of a hotel. So it was rough because life still goes on. I still have to go to classes. I still have to pass my exam. I still have group projects due. Life didn't stop because of what happened. Mm, wow. Did your, your professors allow you to not take the midterm? Oh, yeah. So <laughs> they weren't crazy. <laughs> I think I took it like a week and a half later, thereabout, because I also just wanted to get it over with and not forget what I studied. Um, and I was also mm-hmm. just frazzled. Like I wasn't in the right state of mind. I didn't know yeah. how much time I needed to process this. I just, I, 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 I hadn't gone through this before, so I didn't know what to do, but I did end up taking it not too long after. And um, with other classes, funny enough, I didn't tell all my professors that this happened crazy enough I didn't want them to look at me as a slacker or like I was you know making excuses or anything like that so I only told the professors who I actually had midterms for that Friday for everyone else I kind of just kept on as if life was normal I know that sounds wow. so crazy <laughs> okay so when I think of something like this happening this is like a traumatic experience and I know for me when things like this happen it can leave yeah. you with a lot of questions um, a lot of questions for God and, and not even just questions, but a lot of fears for the future. Now you're you're combating the feeling of, OK, should I even go to sleep at this time of night? Because what if this happens again? The what ifs, they kind mm-hmm. of clou- it clouds your mind. So can you kind of like talk us through that? Like, how did you allow God to help you through that time? Like, what were some things that you were going through mentally um, or trying to process after this? So I did not know how real trauma was until I went through this. Granted, I've been through some mildly traumatic experiences in the past, 
But this actually really affected me mentally in a way that I've never been affected before. I remember I was at the hotel and um, I was in the shower and the hotel was doing a fire drill. So I'm in the shower and the fire alarms go off and I nearly lost my mind. Wow. Like me and my brother panicked and started packing our stuff like, oh my gosh, it's happening again. Like, where are we going to go? And it turned out to just be a drill. Mm-hmm. And that's when I realized that this is not something that I, that I can just bury. You know, I can't just, you know, push this to the side and pray that, you know, God just, you know, t- takes it away. Yeah. Like I actually had to deal with this and address it the right way. And so what really helped me was first accepting that I have gone through trauma and it's affecting me and not hiding it. You know, I remember someone um, texted me during when I was going through this and they were like, hey, Sarah, it's okay to feel what you're going through. Don't feel Mm -hmm. like you have to be the strong friend all the time. Because people were telling me like, oh, wow, like, thank God it happened to you. If anybody like you're so strong, you're so this, you're so that way. Yeah. Yeah. But what what they were trying to communicate was like, you've gone through so much in life. I know that you'll get through this Mm -hmm. as well. But what it undermined was the fact that, yo, this is actually really hard. (laughs) This is actually really tough because my family was hit harder than I was mentally. Mm -hmm. So the day that the fire happened and we were outside watching our house burn, my like, I can't even explain to you how my family was processing it. But I literally had to pull out the Bible and read it out loud. My neighbors are looking at me like I'm crazy. We had to stand in a circle and sing praises to God because, like, if not, I don't know how my my mom and my brother would have been able to have a sound mind. Mm-hmm. That's how crazy it was. Mm-hmm. Like, but um, like I said, the first thing was just accepting the fact that yo, I have been traumatized and I need to take this before the Lord. Yeah. And so I was very honest with God, um, and I knew that in my heart I was starting to feel like, man, my life is just hard. You know, like. This is like the, the tip of the iceberg, you know, yeah. so many things have happened along the lines of my life. And now it gets to this point, like, sheesh, is this what life is just going to be about? Yeah. But what really helped me was after I accepted it and I had the whole questioning phase, I had to make up my mind to change the narrative of my life. I had to stop accepting that life is just going to be hard for me. I had to stop accepting that, you know, I'm going to be the strong friend that always goes through tough things and almost expecting Mm. disappointment and expecting trials and expecting all these things when I didn't have to expect them. And so when I changed my expectation, it shifted my whole life. I'll never forget when someone quoted the scripture to me. It's Psalm 139, um, 17 to 18. And it says, how precious to me are your thoughts, O God. How vast is the sum of them. If I were to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. Yes. And it just hit me. The thoughts that God is thinking about me, the thoughts that God is thinking about me, they are more than the sand on the beach. Not only that, but in Jeremiah 29, 11, it says that his thoughts towards me are good mm-hmm. and to give me hope in the future. So if I stand on the beach and I see all the sand, imagine that all of those are God's thoughts saying that I'm giving you hope and a future, yeah. that these thoughts are good. And it just blew my mind. Wow, God, you're constantly thinking about how you're giving me hope in a good future. Mm. It just settled it for me. Yeah. And it's like, okay, what authority do I have now to start thinking the, the other way, right? So yeah. a lot of times, you know, it's like, God, why didn't you tell me? Why couldn't you give me a dream two days before? You know, but I- You know it. what's crazy though? What's up? I actually had dreams, but I didn't know that they Ooh. were about that. Wow. It's crazy. Wait, so I had a dream where I was about to die and lose everything. I had a dream twice in February. The fire happened in March. 
So I had a dream twice in February and I woke up like, God, what about my phone? Like, that's how my heart, my heart sank when I woke up because I was like, my phone, my phone. Mm. And I was like, oh, snap. I need to let go of worldly, I need to let go of worldly possessions. My Mm. heart is too attached to them. And then a month later, I literally lose almost all my worldly possessions. And so after it happened, I remembered like, wait, God did give me a dream. And so I don't think that God, you know, sent evil upon me, but I think he prepared my heart for what was to come. I don't know what caused the house fire till today. We don't know, but I know that God comforted me by giving his word beforehand. Mm, that's good. That's good. I want to talk about that because when, when trials happen, you know, hey, we don't want to hear, oh, this is going to produce something good. Uh, he allowed this because he's trying to do something. But I mean, that's just the truth. So I want to ask you, like, what did you see come? What what good happened for this? Like, what shifted in this time for you after such an event like this? <clears throat> so take, much. Take your time. Take your time. <laughs> So much shifted. If I was to just say it in a sentence, it would be that this thing that was supposed to be the worst thing to ever happen to me actually turned out to be one of the best things to ever happen to me mm. because it produced in me an like an everlasting hope and confidence in the Lord. And no one and nothing can take it away from me or convince me otherwise. Literally nothing. Mm. I think of the scripture in Romans 5, verses 3 to 5, and it says, um, we also glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance, and perseverance produces character, and character produces hope. Mm. Now, hope does not disappoint or put us to shame, because the love of God has been poured out into our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. And so what came out of this, honestly, was an unshaking hope that I have right now. It taught me how to persevere. I mean, come what may. I have learned that God will keep me even in the face of death. God will keep me. And that is something that I can't shake away because I saw it with my own two eyes. You know what I mean? Like I stood there and saw us barely escape death. And that showed me that, man, it is sufficient to hope in God. He will never, ever ever, ever let me down. In a time where I'm living out of a hotel, I'm commuting to school, I don't know how I'm going to get clothes again. I saw God Mm. just provide in so many different ways, whether whether through people or just randomly. And so from that, it just showed me, wow, God actually really does love me. He really loves his own. There's mm-hmm. another scripture, um, which almost became like my model. I kept quoting it that year. It's First yeah. Peter 1, verses 6 to 9. Mm-hmm. It says, so be truly glad there is wonderful joy ahead. Even though you must endure many trials for a little while, these trials will show that your faith is genuine. Ooh. It is being tested as fire tests and purifies gold, though your faith is far more precious than mere gold. So when your faith remains strong through many trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. Mm. You love him even though you've never seen him. Though you do not see him now, you trust him and you rejoice with a glorious, inexpressible joy. The reward for trusting him will be the salvation of your souls. And it's funny how this verse says your faith being tested by fire. I mean, literally. Literally. But I also love how it says you must endure many trials. And so, you know, for our faith to be genuine, it must be tested. And so I thank God that my faith was tested because it was made strong as a result of it. Wow. I I literally just, a scripture came to mind um, as you were talking. And your life reminds me of the land I was described in Deuteronomy. 
um, 11, 12, it says it's, it's a land that the Lord, your God cares for. He watches over it through each season of the year. So there was not a period wow. that he wasn't looking over you when even, even in the season of, okay, I'm commuting from this hotel. God was still watching over you and keeping you, man, Sarah. Okay. Let's keep going. Cause we, <laughs> we just stay here for, forever, but, um, seriously, uh, praise God. Moving forward from that, we, we can move to, I guess, the end of your undergrad, um, what would you mm-hmm. say the biggest hurdle was as you approached the end? Of- okay, so as so I'm approaching the end, life is getting back to normal. Mm-hmm. We moved into a new house. This is, but that I was had, junior year, right? Yeah, that was junior okay. year, spring semester. So my last semester, my junior year. Then now we're in the summer, and now it's senior okay. year. And this is when you're like, all right, what's going to happen after graduation? Is it grad school? Is it working? Is it this? Is it, is yeah. it that? And I had to face the reality that, oh, snap. I'm undocumented. So mm. this is going to look different for me. Very different for me. And a lot of people didn't know that because, I mean, I wasn't blasting it from the rooftops, <laughs> but that's, that was just my reality. I'm under the DACA program. Yep. So I do get in-state tuition and all that good stuff, but I don't qualify for several things, even when it came to jobs. Mm. Um, and so one scripture that really, really encouraged me was Ecclesiastes 10.10. It says, if the ax is dull, and one does not sharpen the edge, then he must use more strength. But wisdom and skill bring success. Mm. So how is this relevant, right? <laughs> so it's saying if you have an ax, right, and it's disadvantaged because it's not as sharp as it should be, just use more strength. Even more than that, wisdom and skill will bring success. And so I just accepted it's like, all right, this may seem like a disadvantage, But if I use more strength, if I put in more work and if my skills come like show through, I will be successful. And so I accept that, you know what, I'm going to have to work harder than the person to the left of me and the right of me because my situation. I actually have to prove that I'm worth taking a risk for. I have to prove that I'm worth someone taking a chance. And so I did that. You know, the Bible says that a man's gift will make room for him and bring him before great people. And when it says gift, that actually means like a gift, mm. like a present. And so I said, you know what? My skills as an engineer, my skills as a scientist, it's going to be a gift to somebody. So I started working so hard outside of the classroom. I was perfecting my CAD skills, my coding skills, everything so that I would have something on display. And by the grace of God, it actually brought forth results. I'm not going to lie. There were some internships that after they found out my status, they were like, oops, sorry, we can't move forward. I don't want a name job, but it was a big internship and I just, I couldn't do it. And I understood the law is the law, you know, it's, it's, it is what it is. But even yeah, with that, yeah. I'm like, you know what? God's word is true. So if I work harder, if I apply wisdom, if I perfect my skills, and if I have something to offer to the table, somebody's going to want me. And by the grace of God, that is what happened. <laughs> yeah. No, you're at literally the top. Bruh. Like, literally one of the top Oof. companies um, in your field right now. Man. You, when you were talking, you were talking about working smarter and sharpening your skills and all of these things. Um, and that's even what Proverbs 22 29 talks about yeah no pun intended but (laughs) do you see a man who excels in his work he will stand before kings he will not stand before unknown man um so what i see there is not somebody who's just doing their work half-heartedly like somebody who is skilled in what they're doing and that's what you took time to do become skilled in your work to now stand before the best one of the best companies in your field so so how long was it until you found where you were was it okay let me sharpen up my skills for three months and first day of work nine months 
nine whole months, somebody's mm-hmm. baby forming. Wow. <laughs> but you know what? It was actually a nine months that I'm so, so grateful for. So I took the first two months to study for mm-hmm. the fundamentals of engineering exams so I could become a certified engineer in training um, and then later a professional engineer. And had I gone straight into work, that would have been difficult to do because, I mean, you're already working nine to five. When can you study? I was literally studying as if it was a job. So that was part of me sharpening my skills. And then while I was Mm. waiting and applying all those things, I was working on side projects. Like I literally would think about problems that I was seeing in West Africa, in my home country. And I would start working on solutions, literally like start coding, Mm -hmm. start designing, start talking to people, even though I wasn't getting paid. I still wanted to keep my skills sharp so that when the time comes, I have something to offer. Like, hey, I wasn't just sitting on my butt, but like mm. I was actually still I was actually still passionate about something. It's more than a degree to me, but I actually love what I'm doing. And I wanted that to wow. show. So the nine months definitely weren't easy or smooth sailing, though. Um, I really had to trust God and hear from God and hear what he was saying. I remember a scripture that I started anchoring myself in was John eleven forty, which is where Jesus told Mary and Martha, Didn't I tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? This is after he raised Lazarus from the dead. And the crazy part about that story is in the very beginning, when Mary and Martha come to Jesus, they're like, hey, Jesus, this man who you love is sick. So come and heal him. And Jesus says, well, it doesn't say that Jesus says, but in the Bible, it says that Jesus stayed for two extra days. So he delayed intentionally because he loved them. It literally said the reason for his delay was his love for Mm. them, which tells me that there was something that God wanted them to learn in that delay that they didn't know before and that they wouldn't have learned if he didn't delay. And so I'm like, wow, okay, God, clearly there's something that you want me to grasp and to understand during this time when you are, quote unquote, delaying, right? And so that led me to want to seek more like, okay, Mm -hmm. God, then, you know, kind of tell me, you know, what's going on? Tell me, tell me what it is that I need to know. And he really started showing me those things, you know, like, man, he first of all wanted me to rest. My good. He first of all wanted me to learn to rest. So my last three semesters, well, kind of like four, because I was (laughs) I was doing fall, winter, spring, summer, fall, winter, spring, summer. But it was nonstop, (laughs) nonstop, nonstop. And so for the fall and spring semesters, I was taking 19 credits, 19 engineering credits. And it was a lot. Like it was a I can't even put it into words, but it was so much. And so I believe that God really wanted me to rest and it was showing I actually really needed rest. So that was the, the, the one big thing. Then also, too, I also needed time to just plan and and craft a vision for my future you know sometimes Mm -hmm. it's like all right let's chase what's next chase what's next chase what's next but it's like no I actually needed time to just sit and be still before God and let him speak to me because the past years were just boom 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 autopilot but um after you know I'm saying like five months six months I'm like all right God I'm resting I'm planning (laughs) what's going on I'm ready now let's talk about that (laughs) Especially when people are asking you, like, so what are you doing? Oh, okay. Cool. And a word finally came um, from Jeremiah chapter 1, verses 11 and 12. And it says, Moreover, the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Jeremiah, what do you see? And I said, I see a branch of an almond tree. Then the Lord said to me, You have seen well, for I am ready to perform my word. And I was like, wow, okay, God, I believe. This was in December at this point. So from May to December, um, 
this was now December. And leading up to this point, I had actually turned down a job offer. <laughs> I'll get to that. <laughs> Wait, hold on. Hold on. I'll, 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 I'll get to that I'll get to that but um so we're in December after okay. I turned out a job offer um back in August and so this is the word that God gave me and so I looked up okay what is an almond tree mm-hmm. right turns out the almond tree is the first type of tree to bloom in the new year it blooms in January and so I believe that God was saying in January mm-hmm. something is gonna shift and by the grace of God that's what happened mm-hmm. like literally it was boom 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 got um connected to somebody on LinkedIn, got an interview, got a second interview, got an in-person interview, not so long after got the job. Mm. And compared to the job wow. that I turned down, compared to the six interviews that um I didn't get the offer for, this was by far the best that I could have ever gotten. Like mm. the other jobs don't even compare salary wise, benefit wise, anything wise. Like this job literally far surpassed all of them. And I'm just like, God, how? Um, but it, it, it just helped that he was speaking along the way. Yeah. Like you said, it helped that he was speaking along the way. Proverbs 13, 12, hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a dream fulfilled is, is a tree of life. And so I can, I can almost kind of just imagine what your heart began to feel like in these nine months. Um, and that's also something I want to dive into too. Like, how did you allow yourself to be transparent to God? about what was going on in your heart at this time. Like, okay, month five, month six, month, <laughs> month seven, month eight. Um, yes, he gave, <laughs> he gave you these words, but you know, like, how did you let yourself be transparent um, with the heart stuff? What, what's going on in the heart mm. during this period of time? I think what I learned was it's definitely okay to be real with God and say, you know, Lord, I'm, I'm feeling this, so I'm feeling that. But one scripture that really was key for me was in First Thessalonians 4.13, where Paul says that we don't grieve like those who don't have any hope. You know, we don't sorrow like those who have Ooh. no hope. Like we have a hope in Jesus Christ. And so I knew that although there were times where I may feel a bit discouraged or anything like that, I remind myself like, wait, I have a living hope. (laughs) So I don't have to, you know, be depressed. I don't have to feel like my life is over because my life is literally in God's hands. And also another scripture was Job 14, seven to nine. Oh my gosh, this scripture like changed my life. So it says, um, there is hope for a tree. If it is cut down that it will sprout again and that its tender shoots will not cease. Though its root may grow old in the earth and its stump may die in the ground, yet at the scent of water, it will bud and bring forth branches like a plant. And I remember as mm. went outside my house and I saw a tree that had been cut down. There was just a trunk there. And I said, wow, God. So even for this trunk, this tree trunk, there is hope that it can sprout up again. So how much more for me that at the scent of living water, at mm. the scent of your word, that hope will come again. So I started mm. feeling myself. Yeah, I started feeling myself with the word of God. And it was just bringing me so much hope, like reminding myself what God said. It was filling me with so much hope. Mm-hmm. And then God started to show me, look, I'm the God who opens doors that no man can close. And I close doors that no man can yeah. open. So if God closes a door, it's not rejection, it's safety. He was putting a border between what wasn't mm-hmm. his best for you. And so my, my, oh my gosh, God, what's going on? Turned to, wow, God, thank you for this closed door. There is better. Thank you for this closed door. Mm -hmm. There is better. Mm -hmm. And lo and behold, there was better. Yeah. And and you know how rejections, it can alter the way that you view yourself, um, your, your worth and your abilities. You know, so many people are telling you no. It's like, okay, well, what's going on here, God? So can you talk a little bit about 
<laughs> the effect that that had on how you you viewed yourself yeah um I feel like sometimes rejection can make us feel like we are rejected or like we are the failure but mm. honestly that's not always the case I know there are some times where although you get a no you still push and push and push and it could become a yes it could become a no but when it's like a hard no like we picked somebody else like we don't want you type thing honestly I think about how Jesus was rejected. I mean, ultimate rejection, but it didn't change anything about who he was. He was rejected, but it was necessary because there was an end result that had to happen. And so when I think of it, I think of Psalm 119.71, where it says that it was good for me to be afflicted that I might learn your decrees. In all the quote unquote rejections I got over those nine months, it taught me so much about hope, so much about faith, so much about the love of God. I mean, I'm so grateful I went through that because I wouldn't have understood it to that degree unless I had gone through it. And so honestly, the mm. process of being quote unquote yeah. rejected actually blessed me much more than the end result of getting a job. Because at the end of the day, my hope and my faith is eternal, mm. but this job is not. And so getting those rejections, quote unquote. And I say quote unquote, because I'm not rejected. <laughs> At the end of the day, God still chooses me. Hello. Hearing a no doesn't mean that you're a failure. It doesn't mean that you, you know, are not good enough. All those things are lies. And I have to tell myself, Sarah, you're brilliant. You just got a whole degree in engineering. Girl, yeah. you are smart. You are capable. You are able. You yes. can do all things through Christ. Like I have to reaffirm myself and remind myself like, wait, hold up. I am like, you know what I'm saying? Like, mm -hmm. I'm not just. <laughs> and so I have to remind myself that I'm not a failure, but there is better for me. And so I, mm -hmm. I didn't let those, you know, no's cause me to see myself as being less than. Or even like, what yeah. saying. I can just imagine you have engineering. What did you do Sarah, wrong? What's going on? You know, like, maybe you didn't do this or you didn't do that. And honestly, <laughs> you don't owe anybody an explanation. You don't. It got to the point where people were like, oh, so what are you doing now? What's happening next? Da 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 da. And before I would, I would go into explanation of, oh, this, oh, that's, oh, that. And at some point I was just like, I'm still mm. waiting. I'm still praying or I'm working on this project. Mm. And I chose what I wanted to share because some people just want to know to either make themselves feel better or to have a pity party. And I just wasn't going to do that. So I had to guard my heart because if it wasn't going to be encouragement, if it wasn't going to be yeah. aligning with what God was telling me, I don't need to hear it. And that's mm. just the honest truth. Wow. Mm -hmm. Now that's beautiful um so we can we can even you talked about <laughs> you talked about turning down job opportunities. when you are waiting for nine months to get a job for for somebody else looking in it's like girl if you don't take this job you know I, sometimes because we don't have we just choose things yes. out of desperation and kind of miss miss god's best for us because we we haven't had for so long so how did you allow yourself to to still be led by god to where you are now instead of moving by thoughts of well, at least this job wants me. Let me go ahead and hop on this now before, you know, who knows what's coming next, right? Instead of like settling out of desperation for what you just see um, in front of you, still holding on to what, what you believe God is telling you in your heart um, about mm. what's coming. Man, looking back, I'm like, Sarah, what's good with you? You had no job. You had nothing lined up <laughs> and you turned down a job offer, huh? But honestly, what made me do it ultimately was that it didn't align with the vision that God gave me and what I felt like he was promising me. Mm -hmm. And so although there was nothing lined up to be like, oh, I'm turning this down for this, I just knew that, you know, I wrote the vision down and made it plain. And the Lord said that it would come to pass. Mm -hmm. And although this was something that I could have in the mm -hmm. meantime, 
it just wasn't it. So it was a contract actually for a year. So had I taken it, I wouldn't have been able to get the job that I just recently got without breaching a contract and facing consequences. And so although I didn't know what was coming, because I had been hearing from God, because I, I had been writing down the vision, I knew that this just wasn't it. And it reminds me of Abraham in Romans 4 from verse 18. It says, even when there was no reason for hope, Abraham kept hoping believing that he would become the father of many nations for God had said to him, that's how many descendants you will have. And Abraham's faith did not weaken, even though at about a hundred years of age, he figured his body was as good as dead. And so was Sarah's womb. Abraham never wavered in believing God's promise. In fact, his faith grew stronger. And in Mm. this, he brought glory to God. He was fully convinced that God is able to do whatever he promises. And so kind of tweaking it to put myself in there, It can say, even though Sarah had nothing lined up, she kept hoping and believing that God would do what he promised, even though it was month five, month six, month whatever. And it just came down to, you know, Lord, in Psalm 119, it says, Lord, fulfill this word in which you've caused your servant to hope in. And so that became my prayer. Like, God, Mm. you gave me this hope because of the word that you gave me. So Lord, fulfill the fulfill fulfill what you've caused me to hope in because you're the one that's that's given me this 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 faith and this hope in your word so do as you promise and because of that i couldn't accept what wasn't matching that promise it's like taking uh ishmael instead of isaac i couldn't Ooh. do it stop <laughs> stop my god no that's so good that's so good to not be led out of desperation to just what you see in front of you when you have a promise from god for the best for what he has in store so so like how do you remind yourself to stay at the pace of god even now to just exhale and and trust god's timing with all that is such a good question especially today where it's like once you get to this age like your 20s everybody is looking at everybody and people are feeling insecure or starting to you know want to compare themselves to what you saw on instagram and this and that and for me the biggest thing is knowing that i refuse to be moved by pressure whether it's pressure from other people pressure from family pressure from you know external influences i refuse to shape my life based on how somebody else is pressuring me i just won't do it or based on what other people are doing because then at the end of the day like I'm not on a racetrack with all these other people in their lanes. I'm on a track with just me and there's just one lane with me and God in it. And so I'm not trying to catch up or, or do anything with the next person. It's between me and the Lord and praise God, my future family, obviously, but um, it's between me and the Lord (laughs) because things change when you, you know? Um, And so one big example was whether or not I was going to go to grad school right after college and people kept saying, if you don't go right away, you're going to never go. You're going to lose the desire. It's going to be that, that, that. And it was almost starting to make, I literally started, I started looking up programs. I started doing scramble, scramble. And one day I was like, what are you doing? Who told you to do this? I don't know. It was like this weird, hasty thing. And it didn't come from the Lord. And so I remember just closing out all my tabs and deleting all those grad school bookmarks. And um, I shifted my focus back to what I believe God was saying. And looking back now, I'm like, wow, thank God I didn't fall into pressure from other people because how? <laughs> mm, mm. Yeah. <laughs> Let me pick back up. No, I literally remember because, this. Because um, 
because now I have a job where, first of all, not only is it an amazing job that I love, but they also offer tuition assistance for graduate school. And so something that I would have probably had to pay out of pocket because of my status, I can now receive assistance for my job. And so I thank God that I didn't give into pressure of what other people were saying. And I said, that's not my case. You know, if I want to go back, I will go back and, and I will do it successfully. So that was one example. Oh, my God. That's the beautiful thing about God. What he's doing with you is not necessarily going to look like what he's doing with someone else, even if you guys are heading to the same place. Yeah. The journey that you're taking there can look totally different. And that is absolutely okay. So I love that. I think the last thing I'll ask you, the last thing I'll ask you, though, are are what are some things you would tell someone who's probably in a similar place or similar situation where their faith has been tested by an unforeseen circumstance and and they're just tempted to lose hope altogether. Like what are, I guess, three things from your journey that you've learned or something that you would um, you would tell somebody in a similar spot? Mm-hmm. I think the biggest thing that I would say is now more than ever is the time to really immerse yourself in the word of God and what he is saying concerning you. And the Bible says that his promises are yes and amen. And so for me, the way that I began to grow in hope was filling myself with the scriptures. I think a great example is the one I read from Romans 4 with Abraham. He was a great example of somebody who really hoped. And what's crazy is that he died without even receiving the promise. He didn't see all of us who are alive today who are his descendants, right? Um, But he still somehow died in faith and he has reaped a greater reward. And so what I'll say is, is one, immerse yourself in the word of God and let it inspire you, you know, like, um, you know, really make it your, your life, make it your food, um, really become dependent on it. And it will do something because it's a spiritual thing and, and it does take time, but it will, it does work. You know, the word of God does not fail. The second thing that I would say, and I think Abby actually mentioned this in the first episode, I can't remember, but, you know, the Bible says that the things which we see are temporary and things which we cannot see are eternal. So whatever that problem is that is challenging your hope, if you can see it, if you can touch it, if you can put a name to it, it is temporary and it will not last forever. But a a great attitude to have is like that of the Hebrew boys in Daniel, which is even if my God does not do it. I still won't bow to to defeat. I still won't bow to hopelessness. I still won't bow to these things. And I will still trust him. Um, And Mm. and it almost sounds so foolish. It almost sounds um, pitiful in a sense. But we know that there is more than this earth. You know, there, I mean, we're going to spend eternity with the Lord and only, you know, a few short years here on earth. So even if God doesn't do this specific thing this way, I will still trust him and, and find him worthy to be trusted. And the, th- the third thing that I would say is practice a lifestyle of thanksgiving. I really had mm. to learn how to offer God a sacrifice of praise um, by faith. You know, it's really an act of faith when you can thank and praise God even in the midst of your biggest trouble. I just picture myself when when I was outside my burning house and we were gathered in a circle worshiping and praising the Lord and how 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 crazy that must have looked to our neighbors. But it was an act of faith. I didn't know where my clothes were going to mm-hmm. come from. I didn't know where I was going to sleep that night. I didn't know how 
life is going to progress from then on. But I believe that sacrifice of praise really put my heart in the right place and really, really, really um, reminded me that God is still with me and he will see me through um, any and every situation. So I want you to know that hope does not disappoint. Like Romans 5 said, hope does not put us to shame because God loves us. Um, So those are three things that I would say. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Sarah. This was amazing. Um, Thank you for joining us once again and just being so transparent with your story. Really appreciate it. Is there a way that people can stay connected with you possibly through Instagram or email? Um, Whatever you want to plug in, you can plug that in. Yep, yep. So my Instagram is Sarah, S-A-R-A-H dot A-R-Y-E-E underscore. That's Sarah dot R-E underscore. And you can email me as well at s as in sarah and as in nancy dot a r y e at gmail dot com <laughs> and i'll put it in the description for y'all too this is awesome so funny. thank yeah. you so much Thanks for having me this is thank awesome this is amazing um i love what you're doing with this podcast it's so powerful it is so powerful so thank god for your obedience girl thank you so much for tuning into another episode of e squared If anything said resonated with you in any way, please share your feedback with us and also share this podcast with a friend. Thank you and we'll catch you in the next episode.